Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everybody and welcome to the ninth episode of Believe in the Long Run podcast series. I'm your host Dominic Santino and we'd like to thank Leo O'Connor once again for joining us last week on our eighth episode. Hope you all checked it out. Really good interview there. If you missed the last episode, you can always find it on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and the Believe webpage. You can also find out all the information on our social media as well. We're on Instagram at Believe in the Long Run and on Twitter at The Long Run 5. And while you're there, please leave any comments, questions, concerns that you may have. Also, we want to encourage you to tell us what you'd like to hear on the podcast. And while you're there, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with people that you know. And if you've been following the podcast, you know the earlier episodes, we use our warm-up session of the podcast to kind of let you know about upcoming episodes on the podcast, or upcoming races on the podcast, I should say. Well, with the virus, we don't have any road races going on, but a lot of races have now, now gone virtual to run on your own, and that is true with two races that I have found now, actually. As we mentioned last week in episode 8, there's the virtual 5K sponsored by the New York Roadrunners Association. That's going on April 15th through the 30th, so you still can sign up for that. You can run the 5K distance as many times as you want, and if by when you complete it, you will receive a badge on your Strava profile. The entry is free, but there is options to donate to the COVID-19 relief efforts, and you can purchase your your purchase can go towards your entry into the Brooklyn Half Marathon. I know last week I promised that I would post a link to enter for that, and I've made it my goal. I was a little lazy last week that by Thursday I will have that entry form up as long as two other little notes here that I'm going to mention, so we'll have all three of these up in a post on Thursday. That will be April 23rd. The other 5K I found is the Running Fit Virtual 5K. This one does not start till April 26th and runs through May 2nd. And all you got to do to enter for this one is just post your time on social media and use the hashtag RunningFitVirtual5K. And they're giving away $20 gift certificates to people who come up with the most creative course, the best costume, the most likes, and the most tags on their social media accounts. And everyone that enters has a chance to win a free pair of Hoka running shoes. So always a good opportunity there. And then, once again, another thing that I'm going to share from last week that I forgot to post, if you're a video gamer and like running... The virtual pen relays are now being uh, adapted to go on Minecraft. So if you wanted to join in on that, we can put a link up for you to enter that as well. So, there has been some breaking news that actually came out today, April 21st. That's a Tuesday, as I record this. As we know, our podcast comes out Wednesday morning, so it'll be this episode drops on April 22nd. The Olympic track and field trials now actually have their qualifying date for 2020. They have been scheduled for June 18th through the 27th, and they will be at Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon. There's a pretty cool thing that happened yesterday. 
the Olympic Channel re-aired the last six Boston marathons in or in honor of Patriots Day, and the Boston Marathon usually being run during this week. And during the 2018 re-air of the Boston Marathon, Des Linden did a live stream on her Instagram, which was pretty entertaining. She did the live stream for the whole length of the race, and she interviewed different people, including her agent, a press reporter. Her, she, he, she brought her husband in on part of it, and just kind of talked about what they were doing during the race and what they saw from their perspective. And then, of course, Des talked about what she was thinking during the race, before the race, and after the race was over. So it was really cool to kind of listen into bits and pieces of that and see her perspective. And then another thing that I saw, this was last Friday I started watching this. I've mentioned in other episodes that Emma Colburn has been going live on social media, on her Instagram, doing different things every night. Well, Friday night, she's calling it Flip Cup Friday, which I watched last week, I tuned into, and it was pretty fun, actually. So what they do is they go on her Instagram Live, her and her husband, and they challenge followers or fans that request to join to a game of two-on-two Flip Cup. And so you get to challenge them and Flip Cup, and then, who you know, one person wins and they move on to the next one. But it's pretty entertaining and a good way to involve her followers, and it's very entertaining to watch. So go check it out on Emma Colburn's Instagram Live. So we've had a couple runners on our podcast in the last couple episodes. One runner, now coach. Now we're going to go fully into the coaching realm. Another connection that I have now made. We'd like to give a little preview of our next guest. His name is Grant Loftel. He competed at Grand Valley State in college on both the cross-country and track teams in from 1998 to 2001. And then he became a grad assistant there at Grand Valley State, where then after that he would finally move into coaching for his own, and he started in the high school realm at Wyoming Park High School, and he served as the head cross-country coach and assistant track and field coach from 2002 to 2006. He then moved to Allendale High School for six years until 2012. While he was at Allendale, he guided the girls' cross-country team to an MHSAA Division III runner-up in 2019. And he also mentored four consecutive MHSAA state cross-country champions. Also, he spent time as the assistant and head coach of the track teams as well. He would then move on to Lake Superior State University, where he worked with mostly the 800 to 10,000 meter athletes and the cross-country teams, and also with strength and conditioning and recruiting. Finally, he then got his first college coaching job at Lake Erie College, which was a former member of the GLIAC Division II, where he coached at Lake Erie College for two years as the track and field and cross-country head coach. And he helped Lake Erie achieve program best finishes in the conference meet and for both the men and women, and the men having a program best at the regional in 2016. While he was at Lake Erie College, academically in his final season, the men's cross-country team had six students named to the GLIAC All-Academic Teams. He now currently resides at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan. He's, in his, he's just completed his third season as the head coach at Wayne State. 
The women's track and field team was honored as the 2017-2018 USTF CCCA All-Academic Team, and he's had 17 Wayne State cross-country runners receive GLIAC All-Academic Honors in 2017 and 2018 combined, those being 7 men and 10 women. He's had 43 different track and field members receive GLIAC All-Academic Honors. So as you can see that Coach Loftall has a lot of coaching experience, and he stresses not only running but academics as well, and we'll talk about all of that in this interview, and we're going to welcome him to the podcast right now. So without wasting any more time, let's welcome Coach Loftall to the Believe in the Long Run podcast. What kind of made you get interested in running to begin with? Uh, I was always into sports as a kid. Uh, I did a lot of different sports. I did basketball and football, probably my favorites uh, when I was young. played some soccer, some baseball, and uh, I wasn't real great with the hand-eye coordination or foot-eye coordination, uh, so I wasn't ever a, a top athlete in any of those sports. And I uh, tried uh, cross-country. It was called a mini course at my middle school when I was in sixth grade. Uh, we tried. We did a different like athletic or music activity at the end of the school day throughout the the year and i think it changed like every six weeks maybe eight weeks um so one of those was cross country which i had no idea what it was uh, until i tried it and i think we had to race about three or four times over the 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 course of however many weeks and they would have us do like a mile and a half uh cross-country race around the school grounds and i ended up placing in the top like 10 or 15 at i think all, all four of those uh, races and out of you know a couple hundred kids in the class probably and kind of it was an eye-opener to me that I had never been one of the top uh, athletes in anything else uh, before so um, from there I gradually got more and more uh, obsessed I guess with with running um, between you know sixth grade and probably 10th grade is where I was uh, you know super dedicated and into it and you know I, I didn't really know what I was doing training wise as a, a high school athlete but uh, I, I wanted to work hard. I was very motivated uh, as a kid, so uh, you know, did the best I could and uh, made myself into a, a decent high, high school athlete, I guess. Well, then after high school, you'd go on to run in college at Grand Valley. What made the decision? What made your decision to run at Grand Valley State? It was uh, there's a few reasons, I guess. You know, first off, Grand Valley was not the anywhere near the powerhouse running program that they are now. Uh, in you know 1996-97, uh, when I was you know, finishing high school and starting college, but uh, they had a cross country team. I was able to be on the cross country team was a big factor, uh, which was not the case at other schools I looked at coming out of high school. And it was fairly close to home, and it's about a 30 minute uh, drive from the north side of Holland where I grew up to. Uh, GVFU. Um, so I actually commuted my first semester of college and uh, my mom had gone to Grand Valley also went back to school as an adult and took part-time classes for quite a few years so I had been on campus a few times and liked it but yeah, the biggest factor was uh, you know being able to, to run on a college team it was very appealing to me and that worked out pretty well. After you ran in college you decided to get into coaching what made you transition into that side of the sport? Just the fact that I was, uh, you know, thinking about running 24 hours a day whenever I wasn't sleeping. I've always been very into it. Uh, Like I said, you know, when I, since I was probably a sophomore, junior in high school, I just got kind of obsessed and uh, absolutely love everything about the sport. 
So when I was done with uh, competing at Grand Valley, when I was still while I was still an undergrad, a, a friend of mine on the team had a younger brother who was a pretty good high school runner uh, at a, a nearby school at Wyoming Park High School, uh, which actually doesn't exist anymore. They merged it with another uh, school in Wyoming over in the Grand Rapids area. Uh, but uh, they didn't really have a distance coach for their track team, so I just kind of started showing up, like met with the head coach and show up a couple times a week and write workouts for the distance runners. And by the end of the middle of that season, really, I was you know there almost every day for practices and meets, and it was going really well, and I loved it. Um, realized that I, I loved you know, coaching runners every bit as much as I loved uh, actually competing myself. So I've been coaching almost continuously since then, since my last year of college. Yeah, you coached at a variety of high schools and then ended up making a jump into the college scene. Why did you decide to go the college route then? Yeah, there's a few factors that went into that. Uh, also, you know, when I was coaching at the high school level um, at Wyoming Park and uh, Allendale after that. Uh, you know, I always had thoughts or dreams of coaching at the college level, but I had a, a pretty comfortable job uh, as a newspaper writer um, slash editor uh, that I enjoyed. And I just thought making that jump would be extremely you know, difficult. And uh, I knew when there's a, when a college coaching job opens up, there's Typically, there are a lot of applicants for one position is the way that it generally goes. They're kind of high demand jobs. So just didn't have a lot of confidence that I'd be able to, to make that happen easily. But then uh, fortunately for me, uh, in the long run, I uh, was laid off from my newspaper job and uh, kind of almost forced into, into looking at, at college coaching jobs and kind of getting off my butt a little bit and you know trying to make that happen. So a couple years later, I was able to make that jump um, up to Lake Superior State and in Sault Ste. Marie, and it definitely was not an easy, you know, transition going from you know having a regular full-time job and then coaching on the side. And you know, when you're a newspaper writer, you can work your schedule around coaching pretty well, you know, almost as easily as like as teachers do, where things work out scheduling-wise uh, to be able to go to all the meets and uh, practices and everything. And you know, going to the the college coaching level, uh, I had to figure out, I was a part-time coach when I started and had to figure out ways to pay the bills and packed up everything I had and, and moved five and a half, six hours up to the UP. So it was a, it was a challenge for sure, but it, uh, I enjoyed every bit of it. You know, the, the journey that I've been on over the past, I guess, going on eight years now at the college level. One thing I've noticed really everywhere you stopped is your students have had a lot of success academically. What does that mean to you as a coach? How important is are classes for for your athletes? Uh, yeah, that's I mean that's really a testament to the people that I've worked with uh, more than anything else. I've been fortunate to, to coach some very talented runners and uh, a lot of um, runners who are also very very talented students. And you know a lot of those folks are doing some big things in the the real world now um after graduating from high school and college so it's it's always been important to me i'll be, be honest with you i was not the best student when i was a high school and college student i you know spent more time thinking about track and cross country than uh about academics a lot of the time and uh, i'm usually honest with my my athletes about that and try to help them not make the some of the same mistakes that i did when i should have been a little more focused on my uh, studies and yeah, I mean, especially at Wayne State, uh, since I've been here, it's the, the academic side of things is extremely important in our athletic department overall. You know, it's 
academics, athletics, and community service are the, the three big things that we focused on uh, with Wayne State Athletics. And it, they're, they're truly student athletes with student coming before athlete for, for us and all the teams. So, and yeah, we've had a lot of success as far as that goes. Our women's team was tied for first in all of Division II uh, two years ago as far as Team GPA goes. So it was, uh, it was a proud moment. And I think, you know, we're, we're somewhere near the top of Division II and the top of the GLIAC uh, for cross-country and track as far as our as GPAs and, you know, the we don't have a lot of people in uh, easy majors. Like, I, you know, when I was a college student, I was a history major, which I loved. I'm a huge history buff and enjoyed it a lot. But, you know, being a history major is not quite the same as being a, a pre-med major. Or we've got some folks in, in some very advanced fields, uh, biomedical engineering, things like that at Wayne State. So having people who are in difficult, challenging majors and are able to navigate that and the athletic side of things and have a lot of success on both fronts. That's uh, been very uh, rewarding and great to see. You already mentioned that you spent some time at Lake State, but then you moved on to Lake Erie College. What was your time like there? That was an interesting two years. Uh, I, I loved it. That was my first experience as a head coach at the college level. I'd been uh, a head track and cross country coach at the high school level. Um, uh, for a couple of years at Avondale, but really my first time overseeing a whole program. So that was very interesting starting out. And, and like private schools, a, a student at Grand Valley and working at Lake Superior State, not, not having really uh, as much experience or familiarity with a, a small private school. Um, there's a lot I had to learn for sure going in there. But uh, I worked with some outstanding people you know, in the, in the athletic department and uh, definitely with the, the student athletes there. So I enjoyed my time uh, being a native Michigander and I was a big, you know, Wolverine fan growing up. I was a little hesitant moving to Ohio about how that would go. But I really, the Northeast part of Ohio, I, I love that area. It's a, it's a very cool um, area. Cleveland always have a, a special spot for me. Uh, you know, Lake Erie is about uh, 30 minutes from downtown Cleveland. So it's, it's greater Cleveland area. And the, the Cavaliers won the, the NBA title while I was living down there. And the, uh, the Indians went to the, the World Series. So it was a cool time for a sports fan uh, to be in that area. But, uh, yeah, def- definitely uh, very, very different. I spent the entire rest of my life living in the state of Michigan. So it, it was cool to get out of the state a little bit. And, you know, obviously Ohio's not really far away. It's a bordering state. But, you know, get to see some, some different people and uh, experience a little bit Uh different slice of life I guess uh, being in Northeast Ohio yeah for sure then you made the jump to Wayne State University what made you decide to come to Wayne State oh it was it was a tremendous opportunity you know I, that was an absolute no-brainer when I, I got the, the offer to, to come to Wayne State uh, it's coming back to Michigan was appealing for sure most of my family live in, in West Michigan or with some in Lansing area and some in the UP so Almost all my entire family lives in the state, and I was, I think, five hours-ish away from the closest family members uh, for me when I was down at Lake Erie. Um, so being in Detroit, I'm within, you know, five hours from my uh, Uper side of the family and you know, less than three hours from everybody else. So that was um, definitely something that I wanted to do was get back to the state. And I didn't know a ton about Wayne State, honestly, um, the school. I knew about their successful cross-country program over the years, but I 
really was pleasantly surprised with what an outstanding academic school it is. You know, once I came for my interview and did some research and found out more about the university. So, you know, it's kind of like what I was saying about the, uh, the academic side of things at Wayne State. It's, you know, we've got almost every major you can think of for, for student athletes during the recruiting process and a lot of really, really strong uh, graduate programs and um, the medical school and the law school. Um, so, uh, there's just a lot of great things about about Wayne State itself, and you know, just being in the city of Detroit, spent a lot of time as a kid coming to you know Tiger games and coming to Detroit for things growing up, uh, but never thought I would I would end up living here, and it's been great. It's a it's a cool place to live. There's it's you know definitely a city that's on the rise over the last uh, decade or so, and it's a pretty exciting place to be um, with all the sports teams and all the different you know restaurants and new buildings going up. Um, so all around good situation uh, for me at Wayne State. So we've had we've already mentioned you've coached in the high school ranks and the college ranks. What's what's kind of different coaching from high school to college? There are a lot of differences and you know I've I was kind of surprised I guess to find out there are a lot of similarities too because to me runners are runners. You know people yeah you, you change you grow up a little bit in those you know four to eight years between freshman year of high school to you know the time you graduate college but uh, in general, I think uh, runners are runners, so they're they're great people to work with no matter what. But I guess recruiting is probably the single you know, biggest difference uh, at the college level. You spend a, a tremendous amount of your time recruiting. Where in high school, uh, I mean, I understand there are some high schools that may do a little bit of that. Uh, and I don't want to get into that whole can of worms um, <laughs> with, with high schools that uh, you know cherry pick and things like that. But obviously, at the college level, you build your team through recruiting, and I really didn't have any experience uh you know i've been coaching at different levels for a while uh, when i got to like superior state initially but did not have any experience with recruiting so it was just learning on the fly and i fortunately discovered that i really enjoy recruiting a lot and i'm, I'm not somebody i would say who's a salesman it's not really my personality um, to try to sell people on things but when you're at a university that you love and you believe in the mission of the school and um, what's going on with your program that's it's not hard to to sell that so definitely enjoyed learning all the ins and outs of of the recruiting process i guess there's also a lot more administrative work i found out at the college level than when you're a high school coach you spend a lot of time in the office doing you know communicating with a whole different uh, variety of different people you know between uh, recruiting and alumni uh, connections and uh, fellow coaches trying to figure out meet schedules and everything that goes into that. So there's, there's definitely a lot of time spent, you know, specifically for your, your coaching job at the college level on things that are not you know, being at practice or being at a meet more at the high school level, a higher percentage of your time for sure is spent actually with your athletes. But uh, yeah, they're, they're both great. I honestly, I, I love being a high school coach and I love being a college coach as well. Um, there's a lot of you know pluses to uh, both levels. I guess one, one more thing to throw in there is, College coaches, we have to uh, deal with parents a lot less than high school <laughs> coaches do, and that's something that typically in cross country and track, a lot of the parents are awesome and they're they're super supportive people, and uh, it was very fortunate to uh, interact with a lot of those folks at the high school level. Some of them I'm still in touch with now, you know, years later, but there, you know, you get your overzealous parents sometimes, and from what I've heard from a lot of my coaching friends uh, in high school level, if anything, it's gotten worse over the last uh, seven years or so since I went to the the college level so 
yeah, having to, to deal with, with people looking over your shoulder and, and second guessing you, you probably don't get as much of that at the college level as you do, um, at least as a cross country and track and field coach, you know, compared to at the high school level. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. How have you seen training methods change since you've started coaching? Yes. I mean, there's, there's always, you know, things change all the time. There, there are fads that come and go, you know, and some of them are, are valuable. We, we, you know, keep those and they stick with the, the coaching profession. And some of them are, you know, not as, as useful and people figure that out after a, a period of time and they go away. But I think the, for me, like the single biggest change since I was, you know, a young uh, runner, young coach starting out um, back in the 1990s to now is there people run more mileage now. And it's mileage is a, it's just one piece of the whole puzzle for training uh, for uh, distance runners. But it's, in my opinion, it's one of the most important pieces um, is that the more total training volume you can do and stay healthy, the better you're probably going to get, you know, especially obviously the longer stuff, you know, uh, 10k half marathon marathon but even down to the you know 5k 3k um, 1500 in my experience people that are able to handle a high volume of training as distance runners uh, tend to do better because everything is very uh, aerobic you know anything from the mile on up is, is a strongly aerobic activity so in the 1990s the united states the, the big fad was uh quality over quantity and a lot of speed work, a lot of short stuff. You know, a lot of coaches were not doing high mileage, high volume at all. I think to find a high school kid doing more than 40, 45 miles a week at that time was very rare. And if you look at the way that the the United States was performing, you know, internationally in the like late eighties to late nineties, early two thousands, we stunk. We were not very good. And I think a big part of that is because of the, you know, the the change in, in training mentality where, Back in the in the seventies and the running boom, and through most of the eighties, it wasn't uncommon for you know high school kids to run eighty miles a week or more, college kids to run ninety or hundred miles a week, and pro runners to do you know super high volume, and then we had a you know the United States had a lot of success at the you know, different levels, but nowadays I think a lot more people are uh, understanding how important volume is, and that's been going on for a while probably you know, 15 years by now that we've started to, to rediscover that. And there's also, I think there's a lot more sharing of information nowadays with the internet. And when I was in high school, the internet was brand new and a lot of people weren't even on it yet. Didn't get my first uh, email address until I started uh, in college at Grand Valley. So nowadays you can go online and find out the answer to almost any question and you may get a wrong answer. You may get 15 different answers, but you can compare notes with other coaches and athletes and uh, I think that has helped. That's a big reason that people are running so fast nowadays at the college level, um, pro level, and even at the high school level. You see just you know a lot more kids running, you know, for example, girls running a five-flat mile or boys running a, a nine, 15, two-mile every year. When I was a high school kid, those were you know, unheard of times, like maybe one kid per year in the entire state would, would hit a mark like that. And nowadays people communicate bounce ideas off each other i think we've gotten a lot smarter with a lot of things with training and included with that is the holistic approach to training you know when i was a young runner we didn't do a lot of core we didn't do any i think strength training or weight room some of us some of the athletes would get in the weight room on our own in the off season maybe but there was no like hey this is what we're doing you know, before we run, after we run, uh, every day, we pretty much just ran. Uh, and nowadays there are not a whole lot of programs that 
that stick with that kind of philosophy. And especially at the at the college level, if you want to be a high level program, you're probably going to spend a, a fair number of uh, minutes to hours each week on um, flexibility, strength training. You know, just general strength, becoming a better athlete, and core work and rehab slash prehab. We like to we like to call it prehab rehab type exercises with muscle activation and flexibility and things that will hopefully prevent you from um, getting injuries. Uh, so, and I think that's a huge reason why people these days are able to handle higher training volumes and intense workouts and things where maybe 20 years ago, the same group of athletes or a similar group of athletes would have had a higher injury rate and people um, breaking down earlier and not being able to, to handle the training because they're, they're doing little, little things to uh, keep themselves healthy throughout the process. I would totally agree with that one. How is coaching going right now during this quarantine period? Uh, it's been interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it was obviously it's unfortunate losing your outdoor track season um, before it started. That, that was you know tough to take initially. You know, honestly, our program was in a better position than most because we only had two seniors on our track roster, where and then one of them was only in her fourth year, so she'll be back next year as a grad student and uh, fifth year senior for outdoor. But it was still tough because everybody basically lost a year of track and uh, the whole process has been stressful uh, across the board, no matter who you are. But I feel like distance runners in particular have adjusted pretty well in a lot of cases to the quarantine coronavirus situation that we're in mainly because we're able to still do our sport to a large extent. You know, it's pretty tough to go and play a pickup game of basketball right now. And you probably shouldn't be doing that or going to a gym to work out is you know either difficult or impossible right now because things are shut down. But uh, as a distance runner, you can get out the door by yourself and basically do the same workout that you would have done, you know, with your team. Um, maybe not on a track, but uh, you can you can train and you know get get your frustrations out and emotions out and all of those things. And honestly, we've got a lot of time right now. Uh, you know, I told some of our athletes you're almost getting to experience what professional runners do a little bit. You've got classes, you have your online um, studying to do, obviously, which is taking up a decent portion of their day, but. You don't have anything else. You're just at your house. You're recovering, and then you go train, and then you recover, and then you go train. So, it's yeah, it's been interesting, and uh, you know, it, everything right now is optional. Uh, that's an NCAA wide rule. Is there's no you know coaches sending out mandatory workouts and requiring athletes to to check in uh, daily or weekly uh, with what they're doing. But I think if you have a strong culture uh, with your program, and people, you know train work hard for each other not just for themselves and they're, they're focused on long-term goals and things then uh, it's not too difficult for people to you know stay focused right now and and uh, it's good for your mental health honestly it's that's what i told a lot of people at the beginning of the process you know i'm not gonna obviously require you to do anything we'll give you some goals if you want to set a goal and, and run a time trial in may a lot of our athletes are doing that but if nothing else get out of the house you know go for a run if not every day then close to it go for a bike ride you know go for a nice long walk with your dog don't be cooped up uh, 100% of the time right now with with the tv on and the the bad news coming on every day <laughs> so yeah i feel like it's it's been a, a learning experience for everybody but uh honestly i'm i'm pretty optimistic and excited about next fall with the cross country team i think people are for at least for our squad they're doing a pretty good job of of staying motivated right now yeah it's always good to get outside and get some fresh air and it helps when you can go out and go for a run so yep absolutely 
One last question. What expectations do you kind of have going forward looking to next year? Uh, for next year, our ultimate goal already, you know, before we have a, a team goal setting meeting or anything for next fall, uh, we already know our, our goal is going to be to get to nationals with both the men and the women. Um, it's been a while since Wayne State did that. Uh, 2008 was the last time that both uh, the men's and women's teams made to made it to cross-country nationals. So that's our biggest goal, and continue to improve and move up in our conference as you know one of the toughest conferences in Division Two, year in and year out with the GLIAC, and uh, we want to keep moving up there. We want to, you know, long-term goals. We want to be a top academic team in Division Two every year, as far as the the team GPAs go, and uh, continue to have a great team culture. I, I feel like we're there right now. Our athletes buy in. Um, they work really hard. They you know care about each other, and they. They're, invested in in the team and each other more than just uh, training to get better as, as an individual and down the road you know our, our goals are to be a threat to qualify for nationals every year uh, for both men and women and ultimately win a, a GLIAC championship on both sides and be on the podium at uh, the national championships uh, as far as cross country goes all right well thank you coach for sure Happy to do it. Once again, we'd like to thank Coach Loftel for his time and willingness to join our podcast. I know things aren't as busy as normal with his outdoor season getting canceled, but it still doesn't mean things aren't crazy. Still trying to coach his team during this COVID-19 pandemic. With that being said, we're going to move into our cool down. And the first thing we're going to do is rule number four of the 25 rules for runners is the 10 minute rule start every run with 10 minutes of some sort of walking warm-up slow jog or a slower paced run and it's important to do this before you run and to also incorporate incorporate this into your cool down as well the I think this is a very good uh, rule because I know we do it as well you shouldn't always just start off cold and think you're gonna run your fastest it takes your body a little bit to get warmed up and moving from a cold start to run efficiently so it's always good to start off a little slower and build your way up the middle of your workout obviously is going to be your prime time to put your best work in so that's why you should always especially when you're doing a workout do a warm-up do a cool down and then in the middle get that workout and get the blood flowing everything loose before you actually get into your workout otherwise you're not going to achieve as much as you could have if you've done a warm-up and then a cool-down. Cool-down is going to help prevent injury as well. Moving on to our mile training tips, as we hope you try to run a fast mile, whether that's virtually or in a road race sometime this year. First one comes from Nick Willis. He says to get hill repeats in once a week. Remember we talked about building a base, building a good core, different tips that we've helped you along the way. Now we're actually getting into some workouts that help you get some improvement in your time. We've done some we've talked about some speed work. Hill work is always good. And Nick Willis says that it's a good way to provide resistance training and get your heart rate up without the impact on your joints and other ni- other negative side effects that come with running on the road. A tip that I have that's also going to help with repeats is you want to improve your running form so you can always work on your running form even the best runners always can critique their running form and try to find improvement so it's always good to try to kind of be aware of what you are doing when you're running and how like for me I know I gotta I gotta pump my arms more I don't 
sometimes I get a little relaxed with my arm movement and so that's putting more stress on my legs or I know if I pump my arms it takes less stress off my legs and I'll run faster so there's always things you can do and according to verywellfit.com they give you a few little tips it says if you spend a few minutes at the beginning of each run practicing proper running form you can participate in simple warm-up drills that help different aspects of good running form so that way the movement is enhanced during the body of your workout. Try adding four to six drills that help your form to warm up. And I know sometimes just sitting on the floor on your butt and just swinging your arms is really a good way to help with your arm swing and getting your arms used to, um, you know, moving more while you run. And running hills, actually Nick Willis said this, I didn't put it in here, but I knew I could make the connection. Running hills helps you with your running form because you have to pump your arms and drive your knees up to get up the hill. So doing hill repeats also will help you improve towards bettering your mile time but also improve your running form as well. So two for one there with running hills. And that's going to be it for this episode. I just want to hit the social media again. Please, please don't be afraid to leave any comments, questions, or concerns you have about the podcast. We more than welcome you giving us suggestions on what you'd like to hear about. And like, subscribe, and share the podcast with all your friends or running groups. And go follow us at our Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is Believe in the Long Run. Twitter is the Long Run 5. I'm going to head out for another run, and I'll see you next week. Stay safe, and thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.